0: Welcome to the Wednesday, February 22nd edition of the PFF Forecast. We are in uh, full XFL slash off mode. We are entering the dog days of free agency. And so we're going to talk a little free agency. We're talking a little Lamar, got Seth, Galena and Judah Fortgang on the pod today. We're going to talk a little betting, uh, what to do during the off-season. We're going to get Judah Fortgang's take, see how many correlated parlays he cooks up during the off-season, which sports they are, and get the download on that. So we can uh, feed ourselves during uh, the dog or the uh, the dead months. Um, it's going to be a great episode. Let's rock. really hard to channel my inner galena here what do you think of the of the beard
1: it's better than brad's and that's really that's Mm. that's the brad is the mendoza line okay so
2: you're above the mendoza line so you're you're cooking i might get that tattooed better than brad that's That's like a 62 and i think saying i'm like like a 44.8 over here so you know that's where we're at yeah yeah uh, look, we can't, Seth, we can't all be Aaron Donald. You know, it's, you know, we're not all blessed like yourself.
1: My beard has been consistently 92.8 over 90.0 <laughs> for the past seven years. So yeah. Do you use know. manscaped beard oil? What do you do? I do not. This is au natural.
0: Wow. It's yeah. just the Canadian air. That's what it is. Genetics, um, maybe.
1: Canadian air and genetics.
0: Yeah. You could go to East Palestine and your beard would turn into, uh, like eight, eight legged, <laughs> Uh, frogs and stuff like that that'd be a lot of fun <laughs> um all right let's talk football here lamar jackson it, there are two quarterbacks uh, three quarterbacks i should say that people are talking about pretty consistently maybe four if you throw in uh aaron Rodgers in, in the the tomb of darkness but it's daniel jones requesting 45 i can't even say it with a straight face 45 million dollars a year it's uh lamar jackson and it's Derek Carr. And we have to talk about one of them. So it sure as hell is it going to be Derek Carr or Daniel Jones. We're going to talk about Lamar Jackson. Um, and so let's start with this, Brad, why don't you refresh us? Like, where do things stand? What are the options for Lamar and for the Ravens, I should say?
2: Yeah, so, you know, it's it's still going back to last offseason where it's not necessarily about the total value, the average value each year. It's really coming down to the fully guaranteed money at signing. And Lamar Jackson is pointing to another contract in his division, that being, of course, Deshaun Watson with the Cleveland Browns. Uh, to put into context, you know, his, his deal, obviously, people know is crazy, but 230 million fully guaranteed at signing. The second highest ever is Aaron Rodgers at 101 and a half million. So he has more than double the most fully guaranteed dollars at the time of signing. Um, and it's very notable that we we hear these rumblings that every owner's pissed off about it. Only one owner actually went on camera to reporters and said, I really wish this player didn't get this deal. I really wish this didn't happen. This this precedent is a bad precedent. That owner was Ravens owner Steve may maybe thinking about his uh, pending negotiation. So as it stands today, Baltimore is probably offering a deal that, again, average value-wise, any other metric you want to look at, is probably within a range Lamar's fine with. But uh, they're just simply at this time not going to go into that range of 230 million fully guaranteed. And if you're Lamar Jackson, you say he's in my division. I have an MVP. He does not. I, you know, am a good person in a lot of other facets as well. So I, I have every reason. Yeah, we'll just we'll just I don't know. Uh, you know, I have every reason to ask for this money, and I don't really care that it's not your precedent or yada yada yada. Um, and so I'll I'll tell you this: like, there is not a lot of optimism that either side's gonna budge from that stance. And if they don't, and it goes to a franchise tag, by the way, the deadline is March seventh for a franchise tag. I think it's more realistic than people maybe realize that he is tagged and then ultimately traded before the July 15th deadline to sign that multi-year extension that someone else will give him.
0: And and by tag, there's two tags that they could place, right? There's the exclusive, which is a $45 million guaranteed contract for this season. And then there's a non-exclusive, which is, was it 32.5? And if another team comes in and signs him, they would then ship two first round picks over to the Ravens.
2: Correct. Whereas the exclusive, they would be able to dictate those trade terms. That's why everyone thinks it's going to be exclusive. Because realistically, you should get more than just two firsts for Lamar Jacks.
0: Right. Does the exclusive tag does it signal one way or the other? So if they if they put the exclusive tag on them, is it does it make you think they're going to trade him? Because 45 million guaranteed. Is like a stone's throw away from what you know he's asking for, which is fully guaranteed in the like what 50 million range.
2: Yeah, I mean, I think it to a degree, it's more just about thinking that look, someone is going to sign him to an offer sheet that you're probably not going to match, so it's mm-hmm. like you kind of have to do that. Um, you look at historically, Dak Prescott got exclusive tags, Kirk Cousins' second one was exclusive. Typically, only you see a quarterback because other positions a, a team's really rarely going to give two first round picks for a franchise tag player because mm-hmm. more often than not franchise tag guys are kind of not the like early extension elite elite guys. They're kind of just below that your Orlando Browns and, and so on and so forth where the team doesn't really, isn't really fully bought in yet. Um, so yeah, I don't know if it's a huge signal, but end of the day, uh, you know, g- the tag coming and there's still just being no progress on talks, you know, is it, not, not a great sign.
1: Yeah, that's sure. right. Okay. From so the Ravens, Sorry, I want to ask Brad from the Ravens perspective. Is this both is or is it one thing where it's, hey, we just don't we just can't give all this guaranteed money. That's just too much money. Or is it that plus we don't think he's worth it. We don't think he's at this
2: tier one caliber quarterback, et cetera, et cetera. It's a great question. So the interesting thing, the fact that it's Baltimore is that they actually historically have been very aggressive in fully fully guaranteeing a lot of money or giving the most total guarantees to their players. Like the percentage of contracts they give out out that are guaranteed is actually higher than other teams on their top deals like Mark Andrews, Marlon Humphrey, Ronnie Stanley. Go down the list. Um, So it's kind of interesting. It's them. I think it maybe is a blend, but I would say it more is just we don't want to set the precedent that we're going to be the next team that gives a fully guaranteed deal, um, you know, over 3 years. Kirk Cousins 3-year deal in Minnesota being fully guaranteed, I think was okay cuz a lot of teams give 3 years of quarterback deals fully guaranteed. Um, it's then pushing out into 4 and 5 years. I think that's the bigger issue, but hey, maybe if he was, you know, if he was Patrick Mahomes, maybe they would do it. Uh, but but I, I think it's more about the contract precedent than the player.
0: So here's a question Lana, because I was going to ask the same thing, sort of. Um, someone's going to get a fully guaranteed deal of this caliber again at some point. Like it's just bound to happen. Is that Mahomes? Like the next deal that he gets?
2: So I'll say this: I do think we're going to see a new Mahomes contract this off season, if not next off season. I don't know, though. I, I mean, I, I think to a degree, if you get cash flows that are that are favorable for the player, they don't necessarily need these fully guarantees way out. The, the, the reason why we saw it in this case was just because the Browns probably realized, unless we offer this, we're not getting this player. It was such a unique circumstance where you had a guy that, because of his no-trade clause, was just dictating the terms, Um, and, and you know, the, the incumbent team obviously didn't want him. The reason I would say no is because, you know, they could the Ravens could just tag them twice and just say, you know what, we'll call your bluff if you want to go Kirk Cousins route, that's fine. Um, but that you know, that, that's why. So with Mahomes, no, but I think he'll just get a, a large cash inflow in the near future. Yeah, that makes
0: sense. Um, Seth, as you think about this from the Lamar Jackson player perspective, you know, Greg Roman out in Baltimore, who their weapons are next year assuming they pick no one up is not particularly exciting. Where, if you're Lamar, are you, do you want to go?
1: I mean, I think like not to get all too much into his own brain, but like you, you probably want to stay. I think that's probably at the end of the day, like you feel like you, you're you starting somewhere, you've built something, did win an MVP. You have been to the playoffs. Like, you know, this was, I, I've said this throughout the whole year, but like, you know, they were, this is a really good football team this year. Uh, until the injuries start happening, a lot of bad luck, you know, to lose some games. This is a very elite football team. So I don't know why you you would want to leave. Obviously, the, the money is, is going to push him in one direction or another. So I, I if I was him, and I'd probably say the same thing about Rogers, where it's like, I, I probably want to stay because you feel good about the relationships you've built in the building at this point. So why now nah, you are Lamar Jackson, you are going to be the king wherever you go. You can build people will people will will become friendly with you wherever you go. But I think, you know, you, you've you lived your 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 early life here, your early 20s here in Baltimore in this building with. I, I You know, everyone talks about Harbaugh being one of the best kind of like uh, coaches in the league in terms of the stability that he brings. Obviously, you're getting a new office quarter this year, so. I probably would want to stay, but, you know, like I said, the money will dictate that.
0: And as far as, like, the if it's not Baltimore, okay? So let's say that Baltimore and and things just go completely south. You're then looking at potential trade candidates. It's going to be someone that's going to give up a lot. So they're, you know, they're not going to have a ton of of assets left over. Lamar is not... Uh, This shouldn't come out the wrong way. He's not your normal quarterback, right? He's you, you need to build a scheme that takes advantage of what he does uniquely well, where, and who is best prepared to do that?
1: Well, I think the first thing I'll say is, and I, I always bring this point up when we talk about this scheme issue with, with certain quarterbacks. And I don't remember the name of the quarterback who was starting in Houston, Deshaun Watson's rookie year. I, I'm sure one of you will remember, but anyways, he started, I think four games, something like that. And then Deshaun came and he wasn't good or he got injured. And then Deshaun came in and all of a sudden, Bill O'Brien was the OC and the, and the head coach and the play caller at that time. So Deshaun comes in and all of a sudden the offense is completely different. They're just using all these cool things you can do with the player uh, with the kind of unique ability that Deshaun Watson has. So, to me, it's like, hey, we can build this thing out of Lamar with whoever we have, because he's he is such a unique player uh, and a unique talent and, a, and an and elite quarterback um, that we can build it out of anything. Now, with that said, obviously, like there are some places that, you know, obviously are going to have pieces, I think, from a personnel um, standpoint that look good. And I think the Falcons are probably probably the best looking team because you have the receivers that Lamar Jackson hasn't had. Let's say the offensive line is a wash. They've had good offensive lines with the Ravens. The Falcons were look pretty good this year. Um, you know, whether it was a one year thing or, or, you know, we'll see, but they look pretty good this year, you know, running back play Algier had a good year you know, they, they can figure out the running back situation, but the, the having Pitts and and Drake London, and even mm-hmm. like Zacchaeus, who was a, a really good number three, like that to me is interesting for Lamar. Now you could even, you, we, we talk about the scheme thing too, because you look at what what Arthur Smith uh, has done in his past. That offense looks a lot like what you can do with Lamar that we've seen in Baltimore that they did with Mariota. Um, a little less so with Ritter, different type of quarterback, but like, you know, they're running all the options and stuff you want for Lamar. And he's really good. Like Arthur, Arthur Smith is really good. A, in the run game, but B, I think importantly, and we saw it with Tennessee too, is his play action development and how to get guys open down the field off play action is like second to none in the league. Really smart play designer, understanding, you know, when to call the plays, the sequencing of the plays to get guys open, top notch. That's going to help Lamar. Now, I do think like, you know, Todd Munkin coming in there to replace uh Greg Roman, I think that'll be that's a good match for him in, in Baltimore if is should the mm-hmm. say there. But Atlanta, I mean, that is a that's a match made in heaven. It it is. It, it's it's really, really good out there with what they can do. I mean, you can talk about the Giants as well, obviously propping up Daniel Jones the way they did this year. Hey, <laughs> you know, you think, hey, what we can what can we do with a guy like Lamar Jackson? The Homer in me says go get him New Orleans Saints. I know that's not gonna happen, but I would love it. Uh but yeah, Atlanta Atlanta really has all the pieces in place. And 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 I think this goes back to our to you know like who is Lamar? I think this is always the the question. For some reason he gets he gets talked about in ways that I don't think he should get talked about. He's never had a receiver at all that's worked well with him, um a top-notch elite tier 1 receiver and it's hard to find these elite quarterbacks without it. Uh, Mahomes came into the league with two elite receivers. So did Joe Burrow, basically. Josh Allen became that guy with one elite receiver. Like He's never had that. And you could also make the argument that I'm not ready to make the argument quite yet, but the Greg Roman offense limited them in ways that made them a worse offense. It made them a good running offense, but it might not have made them a great offense overall. And so to the, the way we talk about Lamar and is he worth this is he, of course he's worth it. And, and I, I find it absolutely insane to think that the Baltimore Ravens could not be with Lamar Jackson for the rest of his career or the next five years or whatever. This mm-hmm. is too good of a quarterback. It is way too good of a quarterback for him to ever leave Baltimore. Uh, so yeah, that's why, that's why Lamar Jackson take, he's too good. Um, and he should never leave Baltimore, but if he does, the Atlanta Falcons are a great spot for him.
2: Just real quick, because you mentioned your Saints, but also Atlanta, when Deshaun Watson was up and doing his you know, visits and all that, both of those teams were in the mix and, and they obviously didn't get the deal done, but they were probably entertaining the idea of giving a deal, at least in the realm of what he ultimately got. So in particular, Atlanta, I'll tell you, I mean, Arthur Blank wants to spend money like the guy wants to pay players, have a great show, entertain fans, all that. So everything you just mentioned on the football field, you add in. Everything else around that off the field, I think, also is just a slam dunk fit uh, for for his talent.
0: You you mentioned, too, uh, all teams that are in the NFC. And the AFC right now is an absolute gauntlet. And I think one of the reasons that Lamar doesn't get his due, to be clear, is that everyone's busy talking about Josh Allen, Joe Burrow, Patrick Mahomes. And there's nothing wrong with those guys. Herbert as well. I mean, those guys are obviously all amazing. But, you know, someone's got to go to the NFC. I mean, they are, the NFC stinks and particularly the NFC South. So both New Orleans and Atlanta, you know, I I get that it'd be hard to leave Baltimore. I I don't know. I I think he should. And maybe that, you know, it's probably going to anger some people out there, but I, I think he should. I think Atlanta is a great fit. I think that'd be phenomenal. I think that town... Uh, that city, I should say, their fan base. Um, the Ravens fan base is great. Atlanta's fan base is awesome. And guess what? They have receivers who you can name. So, you know, in addition to uh, a great tight end, you know, uh, Mark Andrews, obviously a great tight end. I think Cal, everyone believes Cal Pitts could be great as well. Um, And you would immediately be uh, a contender in a really, really weak conference. What would it take though, Brad? Let's say that they exclusive franchise tag them. What type of a deal are we talking?
2: Yeah, I mean, I think you're looking at three firsts, and then you know, multiple day two picks, and or you know, some players like we saw with Russell Wilson, where they put players in instead of picks in certain situations. You know, we mentioned the Giants. Like, do you try to flip Daniel Jones back to them? Are they interested? Probably not. <laughs> Maybe not. We don't know there, but you know, just just, just for the sake of Stop. sake of conversation, <laughs> like, let's say it's the Jets. Like do you try to get someone out of the jets? Like, do you, you know, or, or whatever the case may be, um, you know, are you more interested at in a certain degree in a player than a pick? But yeah, it's, it's three firsts and, and multiple day, two picks. And for people that don't know, cause I have seen some of these mock trades out there. You can't trade more than three years into the future. So unless a team has multiple first round picks, the most they could give is three first round picks. Hmm. Um, but yeah, it, w- it would be probably the biggest trade package of all time, frankly, or at least in the modern era.
0: I think I'd rather have like a, just a good New York bagel with locks than Daniel Jones.
2: <laughs> I had a New York bagel with locks yesterday, so I don't disagree with you. Yeah, Still, it was no. delightful.
0: <laughs> you got a nice slice of pizza, but like, please, God, no, not Daniel Jones. Um, yeah, I, so I guess with that in mind, like, Seth, if you think about that and you go, okay, here's where Atlanta's at right now. You give all that up. They're not by any means a, a made team. Are they... Are are they a contender? Like what what do you think about that?
1: I think you're a contender if you have Lamar Jackson on your team. I think he's that good. So yeah, I I, I do. Can I can I add something here? The no. quarterback who played in front of Deshaun Watson uh, to start uh, the 2017 season with the Houston Texans who got benched Tom, in the first Tom four, Savage. first half. Tom Savage, great
2: athlete. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Pitt you were legend, Tom. Savage. Talking
2: poorly of his athleticism earlier, I was gonna. I was gonna say you don't think he's quite the athlete of Deshaun. That's uh, that's a hot take out of you, Seth.
1: <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. No, I, they become contenders like right off the bat with Lamar Jackson. Obviously, you're, you you wouldn't be giving up like a London and a and a and a mm-hmm. Pitts like that. That would that, that would have to be there. Um, And like you're not trading, you're not gonna give back like a Chris Lindstrom who's like a really great guard. Uh, you know what I mean? Like, so like you, you still have the pieces in place that, uh, and like, look, they're going to they have to rebuild the defense anyways. Like you take mm-hmm. whoever you want on that defense. Like it doesn't really matter. Um, you know, it even AJ corner, Terrell, yeah. So, that's like, <laughs> yeah. maybe, maybe not. AJ yeah, Terrell, yeah, Basically yeah. anyone else. So like, yeah, you're a contender right away. I, you can tell how I feel about Lamar Jackson. I think he's unfairly criticized in a lot mm-hmm. of ways. I think he's gonna lead quarterback. And I think we would see that in in Atlanta with those players and with Arthur Smith, who I think is a really good play
2: caller. And I would just say real quick on Atlanta, like they have basically purged their entire roster the last two off seasons. Like they, they, they didn't tank or anything like that, but they've just intentionally not been good effectively uh, for two years because they just had to get rid of all these bad contracts. Like, can they afford it? Yes. Like, can, can they, you know, of course not having draft picks hurts, you don't get those surplus value players and all that, but they are in a, a positioned well to make it work if they did, you know, pull off this blockbuster.
0: And you think Arthur Blank would just be like, I'm going to give you a fully guaranteed contract. Like, screw it.
2: I think he, if you may maybe make a short list of owners that would be willing to do it, I think he's top three on that list. I really do.
0: Yeah, I, I think that's right. Um, and I think it's, I, I think it's, the more that we talk about it, the more I think it, it could happen um, just because it makes it makes a lot of sense. It'd Be super interesting to see like the reaction on the Baltimore side, though, because I mean, you don't see those those quarterbacks walk. Um, and and would it be, you know, would it be a trend that we see continue or, you know, we saw this in the NBA, right, where players were like, I'm going to dictate the terms. I'm going to go where I want to go. And by and large, we haven't seen that really happen in the NFL. This would be kind of like that. Um, Seth, we would play a quick game before we get onto your pet peeve. I'm going to name quarterbacks. You're going to tell me where to stop because Lamar Jackson should be in front of this player. Ooh, Patrick Mahomes, Josh Allen, Joe Burrow, Justin.
1: Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh. All right. I, like I don't it. think it's not even like, I, I think they're in the same tier. Like I don't, I I wouldn't want to put either ahead of either. Mm-hmm. I just think and I keep saying we cannot separate Joe Burrow from Jamar Chase, T Higgins, Tyler Boyd. Like, these are all like, you have literally the number one, the, like, uh, basically the best number, wide receiver one, you have the best wide receiver two and you have the best mm-hmm. wide receiver three in the league. Like, you cannot separate these two. You also, you know, the narrative about him exists because Lou and went on a run in the playoffs last year. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? So it's like, mm-hmm. hey, how can we separate that love bro? Like I said, he's not, I don't think he's better or worse. I think they're in the same tier, but I think those are the discussions that keep us, uh, th- th- these, t- these rankings keep us from actually having good discussions about these players. But, you know, I, I, I look, I still think Mahomes is the best quarterback of all time, or the best. This is to say, the best quarterback in the game right now. Even though wide receiver one, Tyreek Kill, mm-hmm. for all those years, Hall of Fame tight end who doesn't age apparently, and a and, and an offensive coordinator, play caller, in Andy Reid, who we all have decided is one of the best in the game, maybe of all. You know, like one of the best of all time. But I can still look at him and say, okay, maybe Patrick Mahomes is probably a tier ahead of those guys. But for the other guys, it's really hard. It's really hard to separate Josh. People people were like, oh, Josh Allen didn't have a great season. And you look at his numbers and it's like, it, they're insane. I might have voted for Josh Allen for the MVP this year if I had a vote, which is why they shouldn't give me a vote. But that's not yeah. the point. <laughs> the point is, it is hard to separate these guys. So I put, I put Lamar on the same tier as a Burrow, probably an Allen, and, and a Herbert, and I I think I'm thinking of Lawrence going into next season.
0: One one good way to understand how good Mahomes is, is that Jimmy G also had uh, great receiving talent, great tight end, great offensive line, and a generational uh, offensive schemer in Kyle Shanahan. And uh, yeah, no one's saying that he's <laughs> the best quarterback in the NFL. Yeah, so, it's uh, <laughs> one way to put it. Um, let's get you out of here on uh, your pet peeve of the week. All right, I saw this, and it bothered me so much
1: today. There was a, a tweet from a, a publication, regardless, doesn't matter which, which publication, and it said that CBS Sports projects blah, blah, blah in the NFL draft. They project, this got to go one, two, three. I think it was Anthony Richardson. doesn't even matter the player. That type of that's what real clickbait is. That bothers me so much. Because all it was, all it was, was a writer on CBS.com, Chris Chris Trapasso, a friend of mine, does really good work in the draft, doing his mock draft, not projecting anything, just doing a mock draft like we all do. Mm-hmm. And and that's all it was. And it becomes this huge thing like, oh my God, CBS, because you see the, the word CBS, even though it's CBS. Sports, which is obviously very different than CBS, the network with, with Tony Romo and Jim Nance. And um, CBS projects Anthony Richardson as an number one overall pick. And it's just like, it just, you know, we've all written mock drafts before. Mm-hmm. And it's like, we're just kind of having fun here. And that's all it was. And it became this huge deal that CBS projects Anthony Richardson. And then the other thing, which I don't, I kind of sound a, a little bit like an asshole here, but the other thing is just like the article in itself, the article in itself on this publication, not CBS sports was really just a copy paste of the mock draft without really anything else, which mm. is obviously And We get that a lot of PFF, a lot of people take our stuff and then, and then, and then just copy paste it. It is what it is. I understand the game, but a little bit of a pet peeve of mine.
0: Rage, Rage brother. It's so good because everyone, is fighting a battle to get their mock draft viewed over others. I mean, it's a, it's a battle. It's a war out there. Um, But using the word projects, like this is some sort of like political race (laughs) is, that is dirty, man. Like, you know, it's like CNN now projects, you know, this candidate to win Georgia. And it's like, okay, when you say that and that's a big deal when a network projects those things because we had Kornacki uh, on here before and, and we work with him at, at, NBC, it's like those, they have a whole war room of people when they're about to, to call a state, they've got to like, bring in like the head of the network and be like, we're going to call the state. And like, here's the deal. We have, you know, four nines worth of statistical significance that is going to happen. And like, okay, we can call the state. It's like, if you get it wrong. Like you may as well shut it down. Right? Like you, no, one's going to, no one can watch you anymore. Meanwhile, we've got you know CBS projecting Anthony Richardson might go top ten, and go number one. It's like you know nothing matters at this point. Um, Seth, you're you're always my pet peeve. Thank you so much for hanging out with us, and uh, go follow Seth at pff underscore Seth on the Twitter machine. He will not project anyone uh, to go number one overall. You can you can be sure of that. Seth, thank you, brother. See you guys. Quick reminder that if you have not yet gotten yourself a PFF plus subscription. Now is a great time. Get a year long subscription, pay less than $8 a month, takes you through all of free agency. You get the best free agency rankings. You get salary projections from the one and only Brad Spielberger, most plugged in guy in the uh, entire industry. There's a reason teams are just, they have it. It's like their screensaver. They just have it up there and you too can have that same content uh, updated as things change on our free agency rankings. Our draft guide is now live. The first version of the draft guide will be updated throughout the draft process. Combine numbers to be coming soon, more players to be added, more advanced data on every single college player. Plus there will be a post-draft version which will grade all of the, the the team drafts have projections for the upcoming season, new updated lineups. So you're getting even more with that subscription. And if you use promo code forecast, you can get 20% off at pff.com and on the PFF app. That doesn't even, I didn't even mention the best thing on the on the darn site, which is the mock draft simulator, which is now also in the app. So go to PFF, wherever it is, download the app or on the web and get yourself a PFF plus subscription for 20% off. With all that money that you've saved, you can then make that money work for you by going to Western and Southern, our friends who have a game plan for you, no matter what your financial goals are, whether it's just to save money, whether it's to buy a house, start a family, maybe you're trying to buy some life insurance, who knows what it might be. Western and Southern Financial has a game plan that they can tailor for you. Go to westernsouthern.com PFF and start getting your money together right now. Alrighty, our good friend Judah Fort Gang at throw the damn ball on Twitter, which is a football reference. And there is only one kind of football being played. It's only semi football, and that's XFL. We're gonna find out if uh he continues to bet on football during during the off season or what it is that uh that he is betting. We're gonna talk a little off season betting with uh with Judah. Judah, how's it going, brother?
3: Everything's good. You know, uh we'll just play Sunday came around last week and there was just a deep hole that I felt, uh, that I, I don't really look forward to, but there's still, So does that mean you day didn't, day didn't day bet the XFL season? I did not bet the XFL. Okay. No. That's the I, I doubt question a little bit of hockey stuff. Okay. Yeah, there was so no, there
0: was no XFL. So what does your betting portfolio, because Brad and I were talking about this before you came on and we were like, I mean, we'll bet, we'll bet on literally anything, uh, at this point. Um, but you are maybe a little more, uh, judicious with your portfolio. Um, so like, do you go off the rails in the off season? Do you stay regimented? What does it look like?
3: Yeah. So I, I, you know, take my football betting aside. I say, you know what? There's so much hold, uh, right. Books are taking so much off the top at this point in the off season that if I really need some action, I'm going to have to turn to betting on hockey. It would be in theory, betting on the XFL, but I actually know less about the XFL than I do the NHL. And then when baseball rolls around, I'll uh, do some baseball. Unfortunately, in New York, where I live, the uh draft props are not actually i can't get stuff down uh, i'm sure brad you you know this mm-hmm. um so i will start kind of getting into that game but there's a little bit more of a barrier than i would like um but i think kind of to to bring it back um for the most part the next basically until the draft i won't be betting very much at all there's way too much hold uh, if i need some action you know i want to watch a game or something i'll be i'll be turning to other sports
0: for most of our the printing press that's listening. uh well, educated betters. We have new people all the time. We explain what uh, hold means.
3: Yeah. So hold is basically the, uh, is a fair value of, you know, every bet that you make. And the, it's essentially a tax or a, an interest that the sports book is taking, uh, where all of the odds don't mathematically add up. And that number is called a, a hold. Uh, so let's say there'll be like 55% hold, which just means that if you added up all the fair value of all the possible bets, the book is taking 55% off the top
0: um okay so hockey let's get into this a little bit um i uh forgot that the vegas knights played in the nhl earlier today i was talking to somebody about hockey and i was like let me see if i can guess who the best team in the western conference is and uh, i did not get it uh correct um are you do you have your own models what resources are you using um are you betting uh tail alt line same game parlays like <laughs>
3: what's your yeah hockey? so i I'm just diving into it. I'm I'm building like shots on goal model, uh, Mm -hmm. right now, which I think is kind of the weakest market, but news, uh, in hockey is really paramount because lines are constantly changing uh, and that dictates so much of how the game is played. Uh, right. Because like who you're playing with has a lot to, you know, uh, do with your production and also like your time on ice is going to vary depending on who you're playing with. So reacting to news is kind of how I'm starting, uh, because like this is really my first time diving in, uh, You know, to to betting hockey during the during the season, as opposed to just like a bet here or there. Um, But that's kind of the main focus. Uh, And I think it's like important to understand like the same process for football is not necessarily gonna be the same one for hockey. And like those tail outcomes don't really exist uh, because there are only so many goals you can score uh, as opposed to kind of yards uh, in a football game. Um, But it's it's a you know it's a new learning process, and I'm honestly excited to, to dive in and and learn more.
2: So you're talking about, you know, teammates and, and line mates. Um, are you also looking at matchups for, for opposing teams and, and how that affects the guys you can be looking at for some of these props?
3: Yeah, absolutely. Um, so you have certain teams, like, for instance, when you play against the Boston Bruins and you're going against Patrice Bergeron, George, like, what are we talking about? How are we going to talk that. about for Patrice Bergeron's uh, defensive habits? But, um, yes, there are certain teams, like, they're shutdown centers, as I called, or shutdown defensive lines. And, like, those matchups definitely matter. And factor in, and these are all stuff kind of trying to model and get a base for. Um, but yes, all of those things are extremely important, and also like who's the home team and who's going to get the last change, and like is it a particular team that's going to uh make sure that they're matching up their, their best defensive line against the opposing team's offensive line? Like, these are all things to factor in.
2: I just had to throw this in there. I wrote a 25 page, uh, sports econ paper on the effect of the long change for George. Again, if you know what we're talking about, uh, if you're the away team, there are two periods in a game where your bench is further from where you're defending. Basically your goalie is further away from you Mm. for the home team. It only happens to you once. Um, and and it's a massive kind of edge, uh, you know, throughout the game. So, so that is, that is what we're talking about right now.
0: (laughs) I know who Patrice Bergeron is. Okay. Good. Good. Um, I had no idea what the long change was. Um, that seems awesome and it's a great like home ice advantage, which I believe is what it's uh, what it's called. Um, so I have a, a good friend who bets on the NFL, doesn't know a ton about, it. I mean knows plenty about it, but like relatively that's not his sport. bets a ton on hockey and um, you know has talked about the softness of those markets. I'm curious, Judah. Like, because I've noticed this with other sports. I noticed this in particular with Formula One, where like clearly the book is just not investing as much in in creating sharp lines, and there's not as much flow into those markets. So there's opportunity to find value there. Are Are you seeing that with hockey? And like, to what extent is it the type of thing? Because you mentioned like, you know, considering you know, who's on the ice, matchups, building shots on goal model. Like, are those things that you think are not baked in to the the lines in, in the books? How soft are they?
3: Yeah, I think the best example is live odds that I found that basically the books are just going to stick with their initial line, no matter what, uh, not mm-hmm. really uh, adjusting to how the game is being played, right? If a certain team is like absolutely dominating in the first period, uh, the score is nothing, nothing though, because they happen to have not scored. Uh, on any of their goals, the line is just going to be a reflection of the pregame line. And that I found has been a, a huge source of value. Um, I haven't, I haven't again like you know, six weeks from now, as I've had a lot more time to kind of dive in. Uh, I think I'll have better answers on like the different markets as I kind of do my thing and go into all these alternate markets. But that's something I found right off the bat uh, that like I got like the Avalanche uh, uh, like ten to one on Sunday, down four two um it was just like a reflection of the
2: of the break in line i actually realized i explained that poorly it's just the second period for both teams not a home field advantage thing but um where you're further away from your bench but we, we're not going to dive let's, extensively into let's that, do 30 uh, minutes on this yeah let's dive into uh, it but but no there are it, it's funny because football is kind of a general question for you again the judah like there obviously i think are more independent variables in football than maybe any other sport but you know, unlike a baseball or a basketball, like I think hockey, would you agree, is probably the closest we can get to where like so many other things are impacting what you're doing that you can't really just dominate or control what you're doing like you can in, you know, in baseball, basketball, other sports like that.
3: Yeah. No, I think, I think that's right. Um, I'd also just add like the nature of the game is so different. Uh, that's like important to understand, which is like there are only going to be so many goal events, right? Like they're, hmm. you know, average of like five and a half, six goals. Uh, and like, Yes, you can find, like, again, shots on goal is the, like, that's a market where you can actually get a bunch of, you can get a bunch of shots in a game. And that's where, you know, there's opportunity mm. for uh, real tails. And that's why I'm kind of focusing on that in my initial modeling. Uh, but, like, the nature of the game is very different. And it, you kind of need to have a new approach. Uh, and I think it, like, it kind of adds to your whole, uh, you know, being a better across multiple sports, uh, kind of understanding the ins and outs of different games and applying and understanding where sports differ. It also, the last thing I
0: Go ahead, go ahead. ahead. I I was just going to say, it seems similar to soccer.
2: Yeah, right. Where, like, you're talking about X goals, and, like, there are fewer. They track scoring chances in the NHL. I think it's kind of subjective to a degree. But basically, like, what is a quality actual chance at scoring versus just, like, kind of a shot on goal? Right, right. Obviously, the last thing is there's nothing more exciting than the puck line in the NHL because of uh, when you pull the goalie at the end of the game, and if you're the team you exactly. bet on is up one, but you have minus one and a half and you're trying to get an empty netter, uh, that is, you know, maybe one of the best thrills in in betting is trying to hit that puck line.
3: Absolutely. That's the the absolute I, I you know, I've been on both sides of that. Uh, there's, yeah. there's nothing quite like it. Um there is something else I wanted to, to say. That's okay.
0: It's okay. We're already at our max time for hockey talk <laughs> on uh on this podcast. I had a um uh, I've been searching for things, you know, formula one is starting to heat up. This will become a formula one podcast and in, uh, just about a week or so as I start to, to ramp up there and it would just be the, you know, to your guys benefit. But, um, I was thinking about, uh, March madness and I was actually talking to someone, uh, earlier today and they, uh, have a group of friends that play in something called the Jerome. You guys heard of this? I kind of thought Brad, you might have, but um, what it is, is basically March Madness, but for the conference tournaments. And what I thought was cool about that is I always go into March Madness, like going, shit, I, shoot, I've got to l- learn about 65 teams I know nothing about. And like, this would be a way of like, you do some of that learning, you are incentivized to watch these conference championships, which by the way, ESPN jams down your throat, like you you're dying for these, right? And like in reality, you're like, this is awful basketball. Like this is the XFL of, of basketball. It's terrible. But if you had that March Madness feel to it, um, it might actually help you for then betting on the the tournament. So throwing it out there, I'm thinking it could be a cool thing to get uh, the uh, Printing Press Discord involved in. Um, open to all ideas, but.
2: I got to check that out. So it's like a pool star or a a bracket structure, but just for the, the conference tournaments before the actual big, big dance.
0: Okay. Exactly. And you play them all. And so, you know, it's like you you're invested in a bunch you can do, um, you know, I I didn't read the entire thing yet, but, um, essentially like you get extra points for like lower seeds winning. Um, okay. Yep. Yep. There's some Calcutta ishness to it. Right. Um, And, uh, yeah, it's across all the different, different conference
2: tournaments. Love that. I have done that model for turn of the tournament. I think it is more fun than just making a bracket is where you get like more points for picking upsets and stuff like that. I I think that is the, the better approach than just doing a, you know, a standard bracket.
0: Yeah, there's, there's no doubt about it. I mean, playing a Calcutta would be like probably the best way if you have a smaller group, um, or or you don't have, you know, hundreds of people because, you know, just get more money into things and you have more ways to win, right? By uh, picking up, you know, teams that are are poor and you get more differentiation, right? So many people pick the same national champion. It's like kind of boring. Yep. Um, Judah, you mentioned draft props. Uh, It's hard to get money down on draft props. Um, I have heard of people literally driving around states (laughs) <laughs> like to to get money down on on draft props um is that something like are you considering that do you want to join our our traveling circus uh
3: <laughs> i should i should in past years you-, you know i've had my little plants you know uh, uh across the country who are able to you know play stuff for me um i haven't done anything yet um i'm not even sure, i think they might be legal in new jersey in which case, I'll come pick I,
2: you up. I'll come pick little, you up. We'll go to Jersey. That's what I was going to say. It sounded like a plan. Little known fact.
3: <laughs> yeah. When I, two years ago, I was living in Washington Heights, which is like right next to the George Washington Bridge. And I would walk across to New Jersey to place bets before it was legal. And there was like a, a New York Times article like about the bikers who would, you know, on Sunday mornings go across the GW. And I was like, that's my spot. Like I used to sit there and place NFL bets. So maybe I just need to you know, throw back to that for some, uh, some draft drops.
0: I love that. Well, there's where there's a will there is a quay. Uh, I would like to remind our, uh, our if, if people don't get that reference, then I'm not going to explain it. You just have to live through it. This draft season there, we will make there a quay and um, you know, that then you'll be in on um, joke and it'll be, it'll be great. Uh, some interesting thing uh, stuff from the draft, by the way, um, is uh, Daniel Jeremiah put out a mock draft, which had Tyree Wilson, going ahead of will anderson jr we um uh brad myself and arjun judah we were kind of predicting different picks and um the one that i actually was predicting was you know that the cardinals would take a edge defender and they'd take will anderson jr um and uh you know certainly people were surprised by tyree wilson being ahead of will anderson jr and it was interesting what jeremiah basically said was like look he's got Ridiculous traits. He's gonna have like seven foot three wingspan. He's gonna run like four or five. And teams have different ways that they pick players. And I actually thought, well, that was a really interesting way, you know, that maybe the market isn't taking into account is just understanding the front office and what they have done in the past, either by position or the way that they drafted. Um, and so I, I don't know if that's something that you buy with the Cardinals. They obviously have a, a new group there, but I wanted to run that by you, Brad.
2: Yeah. Yeah, no, I, I mean, the thing there is Will Anderson is currently listed at 243 pounds. Um, he did play like four I and like a slid inside in Alabama, but Terry Wilson's like all of 275, 280. So, so I think it's truly a, you know, what kind of front do you use? What kind of build do you want? And I think that is, a market efficiency, and th- people just see a hey, flashy name, good player at a big school, but don't think of like how much these coaches want a guy they can mold and all these things. Um, also just want to mention, speaking of some movement and some interesting things, this is before, you know, Seth mentioned Chris Trapasso, his buddy, um, our buddy putting out the, his mock draft with Anthony Richardson first, before that came out, he went from plus from 10,000 or plus 10,000, a hundred to one, to seven to one to go first overall. The buzz oh. on Anthony Richardson is is very, very real. Um, because again, he is the guy where if you aren't sold on Bryce Young just because your concern is, you know, he's 5'10, 185 pounds, soaking wet. Like if that's your main concern and you want to take the traitsy toolsy, this guy could be a freak show. That is Anthony Richardson in this draft class, in my opinion, at least.
0: Yeah. Wow, that was a, that's a big move.
3: Big time. That's a serious problem. My, my, was... my Twitter feed has just been videos of Anthony Richardson for what that's worth. Like I like, I've seen it anecdotally, uh, just like where, where my Twitter feed goes, the the odds uh, tend to move. Yeah, I don't I know if it's move. worth anything, but that's
0: really valuable insight. Can you just let us know right. what your Twitter feed Absolutely. looks like? I'll just, yeah, exactly. We'll create a Twitter list. That's just the people you follow and um, we'll be, we'll be sure. My Twitter feed is just tons of garbage threads. And then the other day, I actually opened uh, on accident a tweet that then unfurled into like a 4,000 word article. And I that this was the first time where I was like, damn it, Elon, what are we doing here? Um, It hadn't really impacted me until that point.
2: Thankfully, you can just not click the see more. Like I thought it was just gonna yeah. have it where it was just this massive thing. But yeah, if you're someone who has blue, just don't tweet that long. Just pretend the limit's still there for the rest of us, please. Can I see
0: less? Is that can I get
2: back right? Option?
0: Yeah, <laughs> like if someone's posting, posting button, that <laughs> yeah, if someone's posting that content, is there a way that I can just like ban it from my from my timeline? Like yes. I didn't think there's something worse than Twitter threads, but there are there are. Oh, there is. <laughs> yeah. Um that's enough Twitter talk for, for today. But um, interesting thing about uh, Anthony Richardson, when I was, we were preparing for that last podcast, uh, I kept taking him inside the top 10 and thought, am I reaching? And and maybe a little bit of that is looking back to last year and people are going to have a little bit of PTSD on, you know, people had Malik Willis going number two overall. I mean, now it looks ridiculous to even consider him in the second round. Um, Based on how he performed, so maybe that's a little bit of the the challenges people are thinking back to last year and that recency bias.
2: I think it's a great point. I think there is going to be some kind of you know overcorrection to. We tried to just force players to go in the first round of that position because they always seem to. um I, I think last year was a bit of an anomaly, um, but yeah, you, you know it's it's a fair point. Maybe there is some value on. I know right now it's four and a half. It would be, of course. Uh, Bryce Young, C.J. Stroud, Will Levis, Anthony Richardson, and then probably Tanner McKee, who I know our guy Mike Greiner is very high on, and I think has had some conversations with people that are very high on. Maybe eventually there is value on, like, everyone is afraid of last year happening, and he does sneak into the bottom of the first round, um, and you get some value on it because everyone's reacting to the pr- even though the draft classes kind of don't really correlate with each other much at all, to a degree, I guess, but but not really.
0: No, that's a good point. Tanner McKee, you can read all about him in the PFF draft guide. I forgot that he was in the draft class until I picked up the draft guide and read all of Mike Brenner's words. Um, it is one of the uh, best pieces of content that is out across the entire year, uh, across all the different places that put out NFL content. It's truly a cut above. Um, I always forget like how much of an edge charting every single player and every single play is in college <laughs> until you get to draft season. You're like, oh my God. <laughs> like. You know, people's analysis on a lot of these college players is just absolutely made up and and pathetic. Um, but you don't have to be one of those people. Go to pff.com, get yourself a draft guide. Judah, um, any hockey uh, picks or or bets that we need to know about for this upcoming weekend?
3: Ooh, for this weekend, no. I just I think there's some value on the Devils to win the uh, the Metropolitan Division. Carolina's winning a bunch of one-score games. The Devils right. have some some great underlying metrics. Uh, I think they were plus four fifty last I saw. That would be my bet. And as a Ranger fan, that, that kills me to say, but. Uh, okay. I, 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 I used value. to
0: play like NHL live 98 and uh, oh, yeah. I thought the devil's jerseys were sick. And, Scott
2: Stevens, dude, laying yeah. a lumber.
3: Oh. Yeah.
0: And then my mom thought it was like a devil worshiping game or something like that. So, uh, <laughs> you know, <laughs> back in the good old days. Um, at least, at least she didn't smash the CD. Like when I, you know, when she heard that I was listening to the Eminem show, like my entire CD player turned into smithereens. So you know, better than nothing. Um, Devils plus four fifty to win the Metropolitan Division. What is this? This Is Harry Potter? Uh, (laughs) thank you for the knowledge, dude. It's always a blast. We will uh, chat with you next week, Brad, as usual, brother. Appreciate you. We'll see you. Peace.